1: Happy day 72 of the program. I could not be more excited because Dr. Paul is back. Dr. Paul is back. Dr. Paul is back. Dr. Paul is back. I can't. I love talking <laughs> to hey, you. Hey, good morning, Gina. <laughs> How are you?
0: I'm well. I'm well. I had a, a little bit of a break with March break uh, being last week. Uh, <laughs> also good that the kids are back at school too. There's uh, there's pros and cons, but I, I in all honesty, I, I enjoyed my time. Dude,
1: let's talk about that because we had March break off the heels of that time change. Like how, how much, like, how stressful is that for people? You know, the time change plus March break with your kids, like, you know, and when you're stressed like that, how long should you give your body grace to kind of calm down from stress?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's a great segue. I, uh, so, I mean, everybody responds to stress differently. I, uh, you know, I think that a good perspective to always have Gina is um, the way that we think about stress is, incredibly important. And so, uh, just to, just to talk about the concept of stress, we always consider stress being negative, but yes. stress does not have to be negative. There's a de-stress and eustress. So if you look at the research, actually Canadian, uh, Dr. Hans Selye from Montreal was like the godfather of the whole kind of stress concept. Uh, and he kind of came up with this idea. And so often the way that we perceive things will dictate if it's actually you know the way we respond to stress so um to your to your point um a lot of people find that just their kids being around the house that they didn't actually end up going anywhere sometimes traveling can be really stressful depending on the experience that you have right so i think you need to give yourself grace and also when it, things are stressful for you that's the time when people often start sacrificing the things that actually are the are going to counterbalance that stress. So for example, when I'm stressed, I don't sleep as well. I stay up later cause I want to like, you know, feel better. I'm binging that TV or I'm like cutting my workout or, Oh, I was just, so I, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people come in, they're on the program. They see me as a patient and they're like, I just had such a stressful, like couple of weeks and I just fell off the program and I couldn't get back on it. Um, and I know that happens, but I guess my always, push back to that patient is like, okay, so we're challenging you to be the program's challenging you to be more mindful. This is in time that you can also be more mindful. It's like, do you really need to fall off at that time? Or yeah. maybe the level up for a lot of people is that's the time I lean into the stress and say, okay, now I have to I now have to be more conscious of putting in more things that are positive yeah. that are going yeah. to counterbalance that stress. I know it's so counter to all our feelings, Gina. That we want to do, the path of least resistance. But that is a really, really key obstacle. That if you can master that, that's like the next level of mindfulness, I think, for a lot of people that are uh, trying to level up.
1: Yeah. It's when shit's hitting the fan and life is stressful that you want to dig in even more and do more of the things that you can do to help your body manage it and recognize that you're stressed. Um, I was listening to a Mel Robbins podcast yesterday and she was talking about how procrastination and procrastination is a direct result of stress. When you are stressed, you tend to procrastinate, therefore not do the things that you need to do. So do you have tips for that? Like, how do you, do you just like, how do you deal?
0: So um, I would say that number one is you have to fiercely protect a couple things in your life. One mm-hmm. of them is your sleep routine. And so mm-hmm. if you are going to um, you know, they get on vacation, you might kind of like stay up later. You kind of binge watch that extra show. You know, I would say like we're disciplined about, no, I'm not eating sugar. We should also be disciplined about some other things. And so what that allows Gina is that you're at least focusing on one cornerstones, like you're getting, you're at least providing enough time for your body to sleep in, in kind of a deep restful way. And the the benefits of that are just going to ripple throughout the rest of your metabolism in your body. And then that also allows you to have a little bit of extra time, even during those stressful periods, that if you can get up a little bit earlier than normal, obviously if you're going to bed late, you're are going to want to sleep and hit that alarm clock two or three times. Uh, and that's when you can have some sort of movement. Now, if you're not a big morning exerciser, then I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday being like, okay, then on a day like this, it's sunny where I am, go out and go for a walk to allow that sun to get into your eyes. There actually is a neurological reflex that when you expose yourself to that sun, it turns on your and and, and balances what's called the circadian rhythm. And that circadian rhythm is responsible for you going to sleep. So sun exposure during the day, helps you sleep at night. A lot of people haven't made that connection. They're like, okay, what's what's that going to do? Um, and just think about it. Um, a day on the beach, if you're on vacation, you're on the, you're getting exposure to the sun. Usually you sleep really, really well. Now there's a less stress component to it potentially as well, but, um, there's tons of research showing that that's beneficial. So something like that, uh, is, is such a good, easy way of, starting your day right if you start your day frazzled the rest of your day is going to be frazzled so for me to answer your question i like to get up um i have a little bit of a quiet time prayer and i will um get on my bike or do some sort of exercise and i really am only able to do that when i do get a good sleep and when i do give myself time and night so don't eat after bed but also i would say sorry don't eat after dinner before bed and then i would also say is that Also, maybe don't consume social media or or electronics in the same way that we think about sugar. Maybe save for uh, your lunch break or something like that before dinner.
1: Well, you let's talk about that. I mean, this is a real side conversation, but you've been um, a, a naturopathic doctor for a while. You've seen the evolution of technology, people on their phones. What kind of impact have you, have you been able to sort of see, I like in, in working in the diet industry, for example, I've been able to see like in real time diets come and go and the impact that it has and how right. it's affecting obesity rates and such and people's bodies you know, like it's been a long time since i've had a person who needed to lose weight just because they were eating all the wrong foods do you, do, you, do you have you seen that with technology with like how it's impacting people's health
0: yeah i mean let's really i mean there's so many ways we can go uh with this like i'll give you an example there was um Uh, Two examples, one about sleep and one about food. So first of all, uh, about sleep, there was a recent um, article, I believe it was in um, in science. Uh, I don't have the link exactly on me right now, but it was talking about how there is an increase of um, breast cancer and melanoma on the left side. Uh, And they were they were looking at why is this the case in the Western world? they actually researchers thought that they, they had an idea that they thought this might actually be to do with the way that we sleep. Most people will sleep on the right side. And, and then there's this, if you sleep on a metal bed, most people sleep on coils, for example. Uh, these are metal things that actually conduct electricity. So to your point about technology is that all these like electromagnetic waves that we are bathed with for years and years and years, that researchers are now starting to think, Hmm, could there be a connection? And it's, and you can look at this from light pollution. There's lots of research showing that the more light we're exposed to, like, for example, in urban centers, if we don't use blackout blinds, yeah. we sleep with night lights, we sleep with the TV on sometimes. These are all things that deplete our melatonin that don't allow natural melatonin to be produced, right? You need that darkness. You need sun during the day. You need natural light during the day. You need total darkness at night. And a lot of times, that is being sabotaged by a lot of things externally. So these are all technology things, really basic technology, radio waves, light that could potentially have an impact on your health. Uh, you know, and then I would say on a dietary front, just think about the last time that you eaten. What I love about the program is that you are asking people to be mindful about how they're eating, what's their state of eating, But a lot of times people will be using technology while they're they're maybe scrolling on their phone while they're eating or they're watching a show on TV. That is telling your brain, hey, focus, action. I'm I'm getting involved here. And it's actually decreasing the connection to your gut. That is the parasympathetic nervous system. That is what we want to be upregulated. So you're able to properly digest food. So those are two examples, very kind of like everyday type of examples that have a have a role to play on directly relating to our, our health, our digestion, our our breakdown of foods and our sleep, Gina. So I think I've seen a big, big, um, but very kind of like insidious, meaning like in small little way kind of connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. Cause we talked about the four questions, getting in tune with your portion sizes, right? How you're feeling and your hunger levels and whatnot. And, you know, we could be having people who are like, I'm having a hard time getting in tune, asking those four questions. Meanwhile, they're on their phone scrolling while they're trying to have their lunch. I know Tony, we're, we're, we're horrible for this. Eh? Tony and I eat our lunch <laughs> scroll yeah. on our phones all the time. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I wanted to ask you that because I think sometimes we need to broaden how we're, you know, approaching this and understanding how all the things affect our health and wellness. And when people are struggling with sleep, it might not have anything to do with stress and more to do with the fact that they're on their phone or the lights that they're using, or, you know, there's so much to it, right? Which is, I love your conversation. Let's get into some nitty gritty stuff. Let's talk about, uh, so people have been taking supplements for a while, the basic supplements, you know, um, omega-3, vitamin D, magnesium, um, and whatnot are basics. Mm -hmm. How would people know if they're working at this point? So obviously if their scale is moving, Moving and they're feeling amazing. But how would they know if they're not working? And should people switch them up? And should people take a break from them?
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a really important question that we get a lot. I know that I get asked this a lot. Uh, and so I'm glad you asked this. And there is not a very clear answer, Gina, you know, I think it's okay. very personalized. And, and I think for some of the supplements, we've kind of already shared with all the members that you're not going to know necessarily that your omega-3s are working for you unless you have a tremendous amount of inflammation or joint pain that you actually can maybe notice a difference. Most doses of general omega-3s are for cardiovascular prevention. How can yeah. you feel prevention? It's like, you know, it's if you haven't had it, uh, for example, you haven't had a heart attack, then you've been prevented, right? So right. there are certain things that that from a uh, you know, you take, for example, MagCom, and you sleep better. They're very clear cause and effect. So I would say in general, to answer your question, if you feel like just do a quick scan of your systems, how am I sleeping? How am I pooping? How's my energy levels? If those the three kind of major systems. Are, are happening, uh, and that they're, that you're feeling good on those fronts, then they probably, you know, that's a good, um, good indicator that the supplements that you, the foundational supplements you're taking are probably yeah. working because that's really, you know, B vitamins will help with energy. Uh, your magnesium will help with sleep. Probiotics will help with digestive function. Again, if those things are checked, it's pretty safe to say that they're good. And so now how long do I take them for the duration of the program? In my opinion, finish them off uh, finish the program strong. I know you're kind of coming into kind of the tail end of it here. I really encourage everyone that this is the time where we don't want to fall off and let the last month just be a, a wasted month. And then at the end of the program, at that point, let maybe the, the foundational supplements run out, Gina, and then, uh, and then re, and then maybe reevaluate that after a break of a month after the use, if you start the spring program. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable if you're kind of going to do the spring program, take a take the time between the programs, take them off from the supplements and just see if uh, see if you notice a big difference. Because sometimes, you know, you won't know the difference of a supplement until you actually stop it. And yeah. then you'll know the difference. I actually see that more often than people would actually think.
1: Okay. Are there any other supplements that you're like, G- I wish Gina would recommend this that's going to help people on their weight loss journey or just basic health and wellness? Like, do you have any that, that are your favorites?
0: I'm a big advocate of... Personalized nutrition, personalized Mm. medicine. And so I think that um, you've done a great job. The program's done a great job of covering all the bases that I'd want to have covered. Um everything after that is like, I want to give you a specific type of adaptogen that helps with, you know, energy levels or people that have low blood pressure. Uh, so there are a number of things. I'm a big fan of um adaptogenic and medicinal mushrooms like for example cordycepsis and lion's mane these are things that are over and above the adrenal recommendation that you make it but there are products out there that that are adrenal in nature and adrenal in function they have adaptogenic qualities that do contain mushrooms there's there's yeah. lots of them and so you might be one, you might be taking one if you're not taking the one that I think uh, you recommend which is it is all herbal it's not mushrooms so that's one that i do like but and i and i usually use it in times of change of season so the fall and the spring traditionally naturopathic doctors have always recommended we should be mindful of the changes of our season because that's when you know you said the time shift happens we usually have a change in temperature it's getting a little bit warmer right now in the fall it's getting cooler exposed to colder temperatures people get sick more often that's where you want to take these more adaptogenic and immune modulating mushrooms immune balancing mushrooms so i I think that those times right now and in the fall are great times to kind of focus in on those, uh, the adaptogens.
1: I was just, I have immune, immune boosters on, I feel like, my kids are sick. They're homesick today. they got some st- stomach flu. I feel like people are getting sick left, right. And center. Yeah. I don't know that this is like a, after effect of the pandemic, I don't know what it is, but what, what yeah. would you suggest then for immune immune boosters? Yeah.
0: So my, number one, I, uh, the foundations, vitamin D got to have that. That's that's absolutely a foundational number two probiotics. There are some oh. specific, like what's really neat now, Gina, is there's some specific strains of probiotics for specific things. For example, there is some strains that have been studied to decrease the incidence of the common cold. And so you can actually look at your your local health food store, talk to your naturopathic doctor or your healthcare provider that knows supplements and say, hey, is there a probiotic type? Like, you know, this is a great little thing that, If people are wondering, okay, how do I level up my supplements? Maybe I need to have them reviewed or maybe I should just not just take the general ones, but maybe I should have a bit more of a conversation with some expert in this field to say, okay, now I'm looking for immune uh, support. Maybe I need to change up my probiotic for the time when I usually get sick, which is always kind of this time, which is uh, common or sometime in November in the fall. Uh, So probiotics would be number two on my list. Absolutely important. Number three, I already mentioned them, the mushrooms. I think the adaptogens are important. Maybe switching to one that is more mushroom based. There's some great combination mushroom products out there. Uh, you know, host defense is a, is a, I have no affiliation with them, but they're a well-known company that does a lot of mushrooms. Um, uh, and, and they're both a liquid and a capsule version. For certain people Um, generally with mushrooms, you're looking for what's called a hot water extract because the the medicinal compounds need to be extracted by using steam and hot water. Um, and so those are my, I would say those are like my top three things. And then finally, like, you know, obviously getting good enough sleep, uh, and melatonin has actually been studied to have good immune stimulating properties.
1: Okay. Cause I I know people are listening and they're like mushrooms. Like what, why mushrooms? What? <laughs> I know that? I've said like
0: mushrooms 10 times. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't, I promise I have no stock in mushroom companies right now. <laughs> um,
1: like, I just, is this a new thing? Like where, where is no. mushrooms coming from? Is it always been a thing, but that it's been a different name? Like what what's with the mushroom? You mean you're
0: not into psilocybin Gina? You're not into this microdosing trend that's going on. <laughs> I thought you'd be all over no, that.
1: The, Though I have actually heard of that um, yeah. and I uh, have been looking into that a little bit, but in terms of health and wellness, like what's with the mushrooms? Yeah. Do they just come out of like, like, is it right. new? Is no, that?
0: no, no. They've been around for the longest time. And I think like the, the, the reason that maybe I've never mentioned them before is because, you know, they, they have like a niche when it comes to, you know, this, uh, the adaptogenic world. Like when I say adaptogens, I know you talk about adaptogens, it's in your book, it's uh, it's in your program. There are probably 30 different substances that have adaptogenic properties or more. That's just a total random guess. But, you know, we, we often go to, oh, you know what? I've heard of ashwagandha. It's really great. And that's the most common one. Sure, because that is really well known in the kind of social media world, online space for having a calming effect, which a lot of people are like, great, I need that but that's only one herb there's rhodiola, which is more of kind of like the brain focused adaptogen. This has been studied in aircraft controllers and pilots. So they're able to stay focused longer. So this is probably better for people that have more of a focus issue. They're mentally fatigued. Then there's, um, uh, something like ginseng. You've heard ginseng is the the world's most studied adaptogen. Um, uh, Ashwagandha is kind of commonly known as Indian ginseng. There's also Korean or red ginseng, which is the one that is in cold effects. Uh, and actually, okay. uh, another one, North American ginseng is in cold effects. So there's three ginsengs I just talked about right there. Ginseng is more for kind of like. Uh, immune and also energy. So there's this immune benefit and then also like physical energy. Rhodiola is brain energy. Ashwagandha is kind of like calming, wired and tired. So you can see how the research elicits all these different nuances. And so here comes the mushrooms. So these, I talked about all these herbs, but this whole world of mushrooms that have been used for thousands of years in the Asian medicine pharmacopoeia, things like reishi, shiitake, mitake, uh, lion's mane, all these funky mushrooms that people are putting in their coffee—you probably heard seeing these, like you know, things they rip apart and they—they uh, they have the organic coffee mixed with these mushroom boosters. Is that yes. there's lots of research on these mushrooms for immune balancing effects, Gina, and that's why okay. you know we just haven't talked about it because there's so many. <laughs> We need
1: book our own uh, segment just to talk about this. So then break it down. Cause people are like, what, in case they missed the conversation, what are adaption, what are yeah. adaptogens and how can they help us lose weight?
0: Yeah. So one of the, one of the secondary complementary supplements that you recommend are, are, are is adaptogens. And the reason that I think we've talked about before that you recommend it is that because it helps people deal with stress. Adaptogens are, is a, is a class of herbs that help, people deal with stress. Think of it like a shock absorber for your body. Your adrenal system is the body's shock absorber. So when you, for example, have a stressful vent at work, you have a big project due, you have to expend more energy. Like for example, mental and physical energy, you might have to push outside your normal limits. How are you able to kind of go up and then kind of come down and meet the demand and come down? Is your body's hormonal system produced by the adrenal glands, cortisol and DHEA, It allows you to function above your normal threshold for a period of time. Now, what if you are called to function above your normal threshold all the time? Now you can start seeing the situation where now your adrenal system is constantly being worked analogy. I like to use car analogies because everyone knows them is that, you know, we talked about shock absorbers. If you just keep riding over bumpy roads, what's going to happen to your shocks? They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get worn down. And the same thing kind of happens to people's adrenal systems. And so here come this whole world of adaptogens. They help, the research shows, they help the body's adrenal system do its job better.
1: Okay. So it's I love allows it allows it
0: to cope with stress better, basically.
1: Nice. Let's talk about sickness and how that would impact someone. Like when we have a sickness protocol, right? Like when, yes, yeah, so we know you want to focus on losing weights, mm-hmm. but you want to just take care of yourself, get yourself healthy, help your body heal when you're sick. What kind of impact would sickness have on someone's weight loss journey? And then, and then I know I, this is a loaded question, but like how much time should you allow yourself to be sick before you're forcing it to You know like forcing yourself to do normal things again people are always so quick to like i want to get back to life but like what 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 kind of impact is like i don't know like a flu or a cold or i mean obviously after the pandemic it can be quite serious but i i don't know what i'm trying to ask here but people want to know like how does sickness impact their journey and and how much grace should they give themselves when they're sick before they start demanding and wanting to see that scale move again
0: one of the most um again one of the most important things about the program I think is that it calls people to be mindful about their health and they, they, they have to start listening to their body. And so one of the key things that often falls by the wayside is that we stop listening to the single signals of our body. And just think about most people, um, without being sick, they are just constantly overriding it. I'm, I'm tired. I don't rest. Yeah. I push through. I'm tired. I take coffee. I, 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 I do. I take a stimulant. I push through that. And so that is something we're actually trying to rework in your, in your psyche to start thinking about and even interpreting being still enough to be like, okay, how do I feel? And that's really the, I think the, the key part about how do I know what I can do is that, okay, how's my energy levels? All right, It's, it's less than normal. Let's say I'm recovering from, from illness, but that doesn't mean that I do nothing. A lot of people have this like all or none. I'm, I'm stressed mm-hmm. out. So I'm just, everything goes to hell and I, and I don't, and I don't do anything. No, that's where like, I still want to follow the plan, but I'm giving myself grace to realize that I can't maybe be at full function, but that yeah. doesn't mean I can't do things that are still good for me, like instead of normally I go to my spin class, let's say I now just go for a walk around the block. I believe one of the key things of helping you get better is that you are still moving around, even though you're not perfect and you're not hundred percent, I'll give you a great example. I work in the world of concussions. And for the longest time, if you've sustained a concussion, the advice that your family doctor and every other healthcare provider, even at the hospital, were saying go home and rest, stay in yeah. a dark room, don't look at anything, don't look at any screens until you feel better. And the research has over and over showed in the last few years that that's actually bad advice. Mm-hmm. So if you are obviously this is the concussion example. What the research does show is that starting to exercise and and maybe it's a walk around the block 48 hours later, instead of just being in your basement with your sunglasses on, your earphones on. and, And those people recover a lot faster when they walk around, they start moving and they are able to do up to their, the key thing is up to their capacity. So my response to your question in summary is that when you recover, you always want to go up to your capacity and not betray the principles you've set out to follow at the beginning of your, uh, of the Gina Livy program.
1: Okay. Nice. Love that. Um, let's talk about other supplements. People want to know specifically zinc, selenium, calcium, and iron.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Throw it all at me. All the minerals. Um, well, all let's right. Let's, kind of go, let's rapid fire through each one of those, if that's okay with you.
1: Yeah. So all zinc.
0: Right. Easy. Um, zinc It is best known for its immune function, but it it does it does have a whole bunch of other effects. For example, it helps improve testosterone, which is a good thing for most people. Testosterone in women also helps with lean muscle mass. It helps with um, libido, for example, in both men and women. And so it's if you're low or deficient in zinc, that's when you get some of these issues with low testosterone, you obviously cannot over supplement with zinc and it increases testosterone. But if you do mega doses, like with any mineral or vitamin, you obviously can have, you know, the immediate effect is a lot of nausea. And you could, you know, you can have actually depletion of copper. So if you've been taking zinc for two or three years and you haven't actually taken any copper, that is a problem. So we want to make sure that you take zinc and copper together at some point. Okay.
1: Okay. I mean, I I know we want to go through the other ones, but this is where that like, so you just named off something about zinc. I'm heading to the store. I'm going to get myself some zinc. Like at what point do we like self diagnose self go. I mean, the the health food store has got all these supplements, the the grocery store has got supplements. I can just pick up supplements left, right and center all the supplements I want. So where does it like, where's that conversation? I mean, obviously you're into personalized come see you, you're going to do the test. You're going to figure out what people need, but like, why am I not going to run out and grab zinc? Because it's got this benefit. Like, why would I not do that? And like, do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. So, like, I I would say the further we stray away from like the foundational nutrients, Gina, that you've kind of laid out, those are the ones that ninety percent of people can take without any sort of issues, without any interactions with medications. But once you start getting into some of these more specific single ingredient nutrients, yeah, we have to be a little bit more mindful. Now, that obviously doesn't apply to things like magnesium, we talked about how safe that is. And by the way, all these things are safe, but for example, iron, you know, oh, I heard iron is good for my energy. Do you have low iron? Obviously testing is important. Zinc. Unfortunately you can't test very well. You can do a hair test, which is available to see what your hair mineral status is for, of your selenium and zinc this is the way that's been used for all around the world to test, uh, for kind of body, uh, deficiency. Um, so I would discourage people from running off to grab everything that we've just talked about because, um, you know, you do want that degree of personalization. If you have any medications that you're on, if you're sensitive to supplements, if you're already feel like you're supplemented out, don't have to add another one, but maybe after our conversation today, you can maybe jot down a couple of what we're going to be talking a couple of things and and maybe just talk to your healthcare provider about that or maybe just implement one or two things.
1: Okay. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So what about iron then? That's a tough one. People are always like, oh, can you recommend an iron supplement? Like I am nervous to talk about iron. I think it's a conversation with your doctor. I have a kid who's epically low on iron. So she's got to go a little bit more hardcore. The liquids don't really work for her. The blood builders don't work for her. I guess it depends on the deficiency, but what are your thoughts on iron and iron supplements?
0: If you're low, it's a game changer to replete it. That's for sure. I mean, it's like the most obvious uh, one that can be tested on blood But as you you know, you've just alluded to with your daughter, uh, sometimes it's really difficult to to get levels up. There are some people that have really trouble absorbing it, no matter what. They have some, you know, gut absorption, uh, obstacles. And that takes a little bit more of a like discovery and and sleuthing to figure that out. For most people, uh, the breakdown of iron is get yourself tested if you're low supplement, the doctor usually recommends kind of the, the, the the basic run of the mill stuff. Generally iron is pretty constipating generally can cause some digestive upset. There are some better forms that like, for example, any sort of like iron combined with like, you know, an amino acid, like iron glycinate, for example, you've heard of magnesium glycinate. So probably iron glycinate is a, is a a one that would be more familiar to people. Uh, And then there is the, as you said, blood builders, which is actually like heme iron, which is actually blood Mm -hmm. and there is a pharmaceutical version of that. There's also a more natural version of that. A lot of the pharmaceutical ones just have things like gluten and binders and colors. And that's like the reason people want to avoid them, but they, all they do work for raising levels. um, And they are generally more expensive, these blood builders. And then finally there's like the vegetarian liquid ones. Uh, Floridex is a common one and you just have to take a whole bunch more of that. Um, It works. I've seen it work. Uh, So all forms work. You have to find one that is more tolerant. If you find that you don't tolerate it well, then maybe explore some of these other liquid or more better tolerated versions. There's probably again, 15 different types of iron, iron uh, fumarate, iron gluconate, iron pyrophosphate, like there's, there's a ton. So you, you have to kind of, I can't go through each one of them. You have to kind of like figure out uh, that with your provider, and I would say finally, if you are struggling with low chronic iron, and I'm like you're you're thinking, listening to me here, you're like I've tried supplementation, it's not working. Well, that's where you need to seek out help. That's an important important mineral. You can't think properly. You can't have enough energy. Your thyroid's not working well. Your hormones are not going to be working well. You're going to be exhausted. Your all every single Cell in your body requires an adequate amount of iron because it's important in delivery of oxygen. That's why you just feel so crummy when you're low on iron.
1: Ah, mind blown because I'm sitting here and my next question is going to ask you. So I'm tired. Like, how do you know when your level of tired is just like, it's like, how do I know when I'm just tired because I was up watching, because I'm not going to bed, I'm having some right. wine, I'm stressed out, I'm just, it's dark, it's just like, how do you know when your tired is not normal tired? And then when people come, and I love the loaded questions. When people come <laughs> see you, what would you say is like the typical reason they're tired? Is it iron? Is it their adrenals? Is it like stress? Like, what? If you were to like pick one thing that most people come to you and that's the reason why they're tired, what would that be? I know that you're probably like,
0: yeah, uh, no, that's a fair, that's a good question. The top three reasons are thyroid, uh, not in no particular order, iron deficiency and adrenal dysfunction. Those are the three things. So, and they all kind of present slightly differently. So like I said before, with the iron, that's usually one that your family doctor is pretty good at, like generally speaking, they'll, they'll test that. Um, there are, there is a full iron panel. You can do that sometimes is missed by your doctor. You don't necessarily need to have anemia, like your red blood cells don't necessarily need to be like really low for you to have symptoms of iron deficiency, because the key marker for iron is a protein called ferritin. And when your ferritin is low below 40, then you could have symptoms of iron. And that could be fatigue. That can be hair falling out. That can be uh, paleness. Uh, those are the most common ones. And it's like, I'm fatigued no matter what. Sometimes a way of determining is if you get a good night's sleep and you're like, okay, I feel better on that day. That's a key sign that it's probably not iron. That's probably okay. like an adrenal stress issue. If you're like, I am I could sleep for 12 hours and I'm exhausted when I wake up, that's either sleep apnea or, fati- or iron uh, issues or something that's affecting every cell in your body. That is where you start to be looking at it, doing some exploration. And then, you know, for the adrenal one that, you know, you do kind of need testing, but you know, Gina, if there was one area that I think, unfortunately, conventional medicine really falls through is they don't understand and treat the adrenal system well at all. They actually ignore it totally. They're kind of like, unless you have something called Addison's disease, which is like, like total failure of the adrenal glands, like you have to be hospitalized. They're like, no, you're fine. You're just stressed but they don't do anything about it. And when you just chalk it up to, I'm just stressed and you don't name the system that's affected. Like for example, thyroid in this case, I'm talking about the adrenal system, the HPA axis, the brain connected to the adrenals, hypothalamus, pituitary adrenal axis. This is the hormonal pathway. And the reason I bring up HPA axis is because your family doctor may actually be know about that. But if you say adrenal fatigue, they might say, well, wow, you're reading all those quacky websites, aren't you? And they often dismiss you, but in the research, there's tons of research on HPA dysfunction and how people in chronic pain, people with chronic stress have this HP access dysfunction. And that's code medical speak for your adrenals are not working as well.
1: So then you take women, right? That mid rain.
0: I know where you're going. I know you're going this. Yeah.
1: Yes. Right. Like me, like that, that then you, you take that plus our stressful lives, plus our hormones, plus the change of life and I'm getting that spare tire. I'm feeling awful. My gut is off. I'm fucking exhausted. So this is a recipe for like what a lot of women are dealing with and what is making it harder for them to lose weight.
0: This is 90% of what I do in my practice is that I I look at people's Interface between their reproductive hormones and menopausal transitions post-pregnancy and their adrenal hormones Because remember when you hit menopause Gina your ovaries stop producing estrogen and progesterone But 30% of those hormones are still produced by the adrenal gland So it's kind of like you lose one of your big shocks and now like it's all on the adrenal system.
1: Yes And
0: so this is why a lot of people are like menopause just threw me for a massive loop and That's another reason potentially why that some people go to menopause, they have no symptoms and some of them hit menopause and they're like, all hell breaks loose because they have been abusing their adrenals most of their lives. And what's, what's adrenal abuse, alcohol, overconsumption, caffeine, overconsumption, everything that is going to throw kind of quick start in the engine to try to like keep it going along without having its own self-sufficient fuel. That's what caffeine and, and, and like, if you're using caffeine as a crutch, you are using kind of a a, 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 bypass of your body's normal energy production. And eventually if you keep pushing down that you are going to have potential issues when it comes to your adrenal system, because you're asking more of it than it's able to, it's like revving your engine and constantly revering it, never giving it a break, never switching gears. Yeah. Like. And we just, you know, eventually your engine will kind of burn out and that, and some people never hit the burnout. Some people hit the burnout really early and there's so much individuality there. That's why this is a confusing conversation for people. It's like, I know a person that like was under a ton of stress and they're fine. And then here you feel like, you know, you, you, um, have a bad day and you, you get thrown, you know, thrown for a week, you know, what's, what gives here? Well, there's, there's, this is the individual biochemistry. And that starts happening since you were a kid sometimes. Yeah. We, we, if I work with a, lots of psychologists and they'll tell you the way that our, our neural circuits, our stress coping circuits are, are formed when we're babies. And so there, are, I'm not, that's not to say that's your fate, but that's just saying the, the reality is, you know, if your parents gave you genes that you're short, you're not going to be tall. So you have to like come to terms with the fact that that's the case, you know, like it's just the reality. A lot of people are like, I don't, know, I can be a super person. You have to use your, Best version of yourself as your goal, not some other person's version of 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 their best. A lot of yeah. people kind of get that confused sometimes.
1: Well, we should just not be comparing what's going on with ourselves yeah. with other people are dealing with because we don't have a clue what they're dealing with. So, what's the timeline on that? Because I was listening to Mel Robbins again last night. I was listening to the same podcast, and she was talking about how she's, you know, she's fifty something. And she's getting that, she can her she knows her hormones are off, she's stressed out, she can feel it. She's starting to feel that that bulge and that heaviness and that di- affecting her digestion. And she's like, you know, I, I went to my doctor, and my friends are basically saying, This happens between 40 and 60. Once you turn 60, you know, you'll feel better. Basically, suck it up, live with it. And I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm not fuck that shit. I'm not gonna feel like that and just like suck it up and feel like crap. And I know for me, I've been struggling since October, but the little things that I'm doing, the supplements I'm taking, managing my stress and being mindful, I'm actually just starting to feel better now, but that's six months in. So once you kind of you hit your ceiling and you max yourself out, and then from there you're just like, ah hit the point of no return. What kind of time frame should people give themselves to I mean obviously the more things that you can do more proactive you can be the quicker you're going to recover but let's say you're doing the things like what's the timeline on like the recovery yeah. just trying to just kind to bring some yeah. reality to people like yeah. you're not to feel better in a week
0: yeah like thank you for sharing your, your, for the your story. the weekend isn't going to help me yeah thank you for sharing your story because i think that gives people a good idea so, so Crap happens in life, right? You know, you're gonna have uh, car accidents, you're gonna have deaths in families. And again, the the more we can strengthen our resilience in different areas of our our body and metabolism, the better that we are going to be. And you can apply this to every system. For example, if you're going to be fit during your 20s, then you're going to probably have a good base physiologically that you can probably maintain that. It's a lot harder to say, you know, I didn't take care of myself earlier. Uh, and then now I'm going to try to reinvent myself. That's difficult. Um, and so it's, it's for me, my perspective on life is that it's not a matter of if something bad happens or something outside of what we want, it's when it happens and how are we able to deal with that? Uh, and, and part of that is our mindset. And I think an expectation that's reasonable, Gina, is that we kind of. If it's a severe life altering type of thing, and, and I would put like a hospitalization, uh death in, of a dear loved one, a divorce, you know, these kind of real epic things that people go with, you kind of have to give yourself a good six months in my mind. Mm. Uh, and the, and that actually goes in line with the area that I work on a lot, the adrenal system, because the adrenal system doesn't recover after taking one bottle of an adaptogen. It just doesn't, you know, that's usually a one month supply. It's probably going to take six to 12 months for you to kind of get back to that feeling. And, and, and there's a component that people experience this post COVID. Yeah, because you know, their adrenal systems important for their ability to produce energy and the function of your mitochondria, your mitochondria. If if people have never heard of this little thing, it's inside of your cells and it's, responsible for producing energy and this thing called ATP. And so things that improve your mitochondria are going to be when you're eating well, when you're sleeping well, and when you're moving your body, these are the foundational things that are going to help your body produce enough energy. And when we're sick, we often don't do those things. You know, we're yeah. laid up. We're not moving. We're probably um, either not getting good deep rest of sleep. And in the case of COVID, there was a virus that was impacting inflammation that was impacting these little mitochondria. So we yeah. have to go back to rehabilitate those mitochondria. And those take months to get back to the number and the, and the, the power output that happens. So it's like a battery that needs to be recharged over time. And your battery, your adrenal system, your, your, your body's mitochondria, that battery is a slow trickle charge. It's not something that you just iPhone plug in and that think about it this way. If you have a stressful event, you need to have more input, more positive input in your life than negative. A lot of people have a stressful event and then they, then they're like, I'm just going to go back to my normal life and your normal life is usually in balance. I have with, I have withdrawals, stressors, and I have benefits and, most of the time we actually might be running a bit of a deficit where we actually go back to our stressful life. No, we actually have to go back and be like, I need my positive stuff to outweigh the negative stuff or another way to put it. I need my recovery to outweigh my output. And that is going to recharge my battery.
1: Well, and this is where I love the program. I'm trying to give people perspective on how much pressure they're putting on themselves when they're coming in with their bodies, just broken down, stressed out, dealing with Mm -hmm. stress. A lot of people are like, oh man, this, this group, for example, just hit the fan in my life. But it's like showing up each day and doing all the things that you can do are going to also help your body create that resilience to help your body be able to repair and rebuild and regenerate rejuvenate and focus on keeping you as healthy as possible. But you know, this is why sometimes as much as you want that scale to move, and you want your body to focus on that, it's just trying to get you to just function and survive throughout the day. <laughs> but the little things that you do do are going to add up and make a big difference. Um, Okay, I want to go back to the zinc, selenium, calcium, iron conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do some rapid fire stuff, because we got a lot to go through selenium. How do you feel about selenium?
0: Yeah, I, very important for uh, your body's uh, production, something called glutathione. So again, it helps with immunity. It has been studied with uh, a number of specific situations. Like for example, uh, people that have uh, autoimmune thyroid issues like Hashimoto's it has to do with, again, protecting your body through this thing called glutathione. It's naturally found in Brazil nuts. Some people are sensitive to Brazil nuts. So you can then supplement, but that's really the only natural source that you can replace like three Brazil nuts is like the equivalent of a pill of selenium.
1: Okay. Calcium.
0: Obviously important for your bones, often over, uh, kind of overemphasized without giving the proper uh, credence to magnesium, vitamin D and and K. Those four things work together for bone health. Uh, The type of calcium is really important. Most calcium, like the typical caltrex that doctors recommend is calcium carbonate, generally cheap and not well absorbed. Uh, But I think there's a good balance to have between magnesium and calcium. If you have bone issues or you're trying to prevent that, maybe a family history of osteoporosis or osteopenia, look for a better absorbed form of calcium. There's even like a a, a crushed bone, which is like the the full building blocks, kind of like eating steak when you're deficient in iron. It's going to give you the best bang for your buck. So that's a supplement you can purchase.
1: Nice. Um, Gallbladder support people missing their gallbladders and you know, while dieting and such, it tends to be a side effect of people losing a lot of weight. They lose their gallbladder with those deprivation diets and whatnot. What can we do if you're missing it? And what can we do to keep your gallbladder healthy?
0: If you're missing it 30% in my experience, maybe 30% of people that have it removed, they're perfect. They're fine. They have no issues and you're the lucky third, where there's maybe 30% that actually are worse off uh, and they feel like they have more symptoms and that has to obviously be kind of continually explored, but generally trying like a digestive enzyme that has lipase in it and uh, something called bile. So bile salts are really important. They have an antibacterial effect. It keeps bad bacteria check in our body It breaks down fats. It has uh, a number of beneficial anti-inflammatory effects. You can actually find studies on bile salts. Uh, and so there are certain digestive enzyme formulations that will have bile salts in it. So if you're missing a gallbladder, make sure it has adequate amount of lipase and bile salts in it.
1: Okay. And for healthy, keeping your gallbladder healthy, do we need to worry about that?
0: No, I mean, it's, it's like kind of like I'm um, saying, do I want to keep my liver healthy? Like if you have no issues, you don't have fatty liver, you know, I think the eating, eating your medicine, like eating good quality fruits and vegetables are the best thing you can do for your liver. Okay, well, the liver
1: was my next question because this is where people are like, do I need to do a liver detox? Do I need to take, like, what is it, milk thistle or whatever? Like, do we need to worry about that? Like, I, I when it comes to detox, like, your body yeah. really doesn't need help. It can definitely use some support, and especially if your body is deficient, but do we need to do, like, liver detoxes and cleanses in general? How do you feel about yeah.
0: this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, like... So it's kind of like the same concept of saying that, you know what, I, why do I need to like take any supplements? I can just get it all through diet. Well, I mean, there are lots of things in life that kind of put more stress on your liver and put more stress on your body. And so there's an epidemic of fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver. And so most people that are overweight most likely have some fat de- de- kind of deposit around the liver and supporting your body's liver in those situations is never a bad idea when it comes to supplements. So first of all, trying to do as much through diet. So those bitter herbs like radicchio and uh, asparagus, artichoke, these are amazing herbs that have a lot of compounds that have a liver protective properties. Okay. Um, then over and above that, milk thistle is a great herb, uh, you know, dandelion is a great herb. Um, you can supplement with artichoke and uh, something like N acetyl which is an amino acid that has, again, increasing glutathione has liver protective effects. And usually like a liver formulation has all of this. So if you have liver issues, if your liver enzymes were elevated in the past, your doctor told you you have fatty liver and they maybe did an ultrasound. Those are the situations that I think would really benefit from a liver detox, um, doing a cleanse. I just, I do want to touch about that specifically because, um, culturally for thousands of years, people have always kind of done some sort of like, and I'll use the term cleanse very loosely. Like for example, sweat lodges in the native kind of Canadian, uh, Aboriginal culture. And it it kind of, uh, it's, it's usually to do with, I'm going to go on some sort of like mind body retreat or fast. And we can do that in our lives too. And, and I think the program kind of does that in a sense. It just eliminates a lot of the crap in our diets. Yeah. And so I think that you being on the Gina program is a cleanse. Do you need anything other than that? Um, that's where I would go ahead and work with your doctor on that and your naturopath specifically, not your doctor, because they're they not gonna really understand that. So um that's the you know, I think we're doing a cleanse. We're just basically the best way to do a cleanse is don't put junk in and the body will clean yeah. itself out.
1: Ah oh, Say that again.
0: Don't put junk in and your body will tidy up itself. That's, and, but think about that culturally, that's literally the epitome of what was being done in Asian culture in in every single ancient culture is like, you kind of just like fasted and, and, and you drank a lot of water and and you just basically took a step out of society. And that's kind of sometimes the best thing trying to put more in is a very, in my opinion, very pharmaceutical approach where it's like, I got to keep stuffing more herbs in. it doesn't work nearly as well as being like, okay, you know what, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to And that's why things like Ramadan and Lent cultures, like even with a religious twist, have always kind of been like, it's good for the body and soul to stop putting junk into it.
1: Right. I actually watched this, um, who was it? That one of that, what's his name? Thor, who's the guy who plays Thor? Chris, I, mean, I mean, that I mean, uh, I mean. he did this um, thing on Netflix where he did this kind of fasting thing, but it's where your kind of your your body actually goes in and starts to heal itself because it's given the opportunity to focus right. on things. Not that I don't want to get into fasting for weight loss, but fasting has always had its merits in health and wellness. My oh, issue with it is it's a really shitty weight loss tool. So I'm not going to talk more on that. Thyroid support. So someone's working with their doctor, they're taking their thyroid meds. Like, what else can they do?
0: Well, I, I mean, the first thing is, is follow a plan. And, and additionally, I would probably say gluten is just a big offender for your thyroid. In my okay. experience, uh, gluten has a lot of what's called cross reactivity. So like, for example, the immune system sees the gluten protein reacts to it. And then also. It looks very similar to the thyroid protein, a number of thyroid molecules, receptors, for example. And then the, the immune system will go and attack it. And that's especially important with Hashimoto's. We already mentioned things like, um. Uh, um, selenium really important. there. trace minerals, the thyroid is super sensitive to trace minerals. Uh, one simple thing is like exposure of excess things. Like for example, uh, things like mercury and chlorine, like things that we're just being bathing ourselves in all the time. So mercury comes mainly from fish. If you have thyroid issues, I really think that understanding your minerals, both toxic minerals, this is where you can get help with your doctor, your naturopath. And then, you know, something as simple as putting like a shower filter on your uh, uh, on your shower that stops just like cleanses out some of the, the chlorine. Chlorine kind yeah. of like binds into the same receptor as iodine. Iodine is really important. I don't recommend high dose iodine supplementation, uh, that has some negative uh, detrimental impacts, but I am a fan of like sea vegetables like nori and kelp. These are Go good, like tons of, it's like a vegetable, but, um, rich in iodine and, and, yeah. and rich in a lot of these trace minerals. It's one of the reasons scientists think that Japanese have a lot less, um, you know, a lot less chronic health issues and happen to kind of like live longer is because of the exposure of this natural iodine rich thing. So like, I think things like seaweed are, are good for your thyroid.
1: Okay, so uh, giving up foods like gluten, dairy, and uh, foods that you might be sensitive to—we've had this conversation before about like how long. So if someone, someone hears you thyroid gluten. Okay, let me take it out. What would be the expectation for how long? It, it's literally all or like nothing. Like go ahead take it all out, and for how long? So if one, someone wanted to, and then I remember from past conversations, especially when just food sensitivities in general, you you know you you take out gluten, but then you're still having dairy or you're still having something else that's causing issues. So, right. maybe, so,
0: yeah, so, I mean, I think those are very individualized. I'll give you, so I'll give you a, a great example. I just ran a food panel on myself and my son. So like basically a, a blood test that you can see all the different food sensitivities that you have, uh, and it, it will, it, it's a good starting point Gina for okay. identifying. So if you're, and it's difficult to figure out what that might be like, what actually, what sensitivities do you have? Yeah, um, that's the most common question I get. And so if you have gut issues, if you have skin issues, if you're again, we've checked off the boxes with energy levels, like I'm not anemic. My adrenal system seem to be okay. I seem to be sleepy. Okay. And I'm like, always like tired in the afternoon. Could it be yeah. that what you're eating at some point is uh, at some point in the day is having an issue on your energy levels. And the problem is, is that it doesn't always happen right away. For me, I can share mine is that number one on the list was eggs. And I tested myself back in medical school and it was the same thing. And I avoided it for the longest time. And I couldn't kind of crept back in because, you know, it's just a great source of protein. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a generally a big fan of eggs, but for me, it doesn't work well. And it's just a good reminder that if I'm going to start thinking about taking foods out, I'm not an advocate of just taking a whole bunch of things out without a reason why, like how long do I do it for? This is like, that is the essence of what you should be working and talking to a naturopathic doctor with.
1: Okay, I'm gonna talk to you about finding a naturopathic doctor, but one last thing people keep asking about is rosacea and eczema. So is this a food Uh, thing, digestive thing, skin thing? What is it? What can we do about it? Are they similar? Are they two different things?
0: They're two different things, uh, but there's some similarities with any skin issues. Uh, maybe the one that's most different probably is something like psoriasis because that's an autoimmune condition. So it's a little bit more immune focused. Uh, basically the best way to, to, that I look at skin issues as a naturopathic doctor is that it is a problem with your body's elimination pathways, your skin, believe it or not, is like a backup detox organ. Yeah. So, you know, we know that through sweat, a lot of things come out through there. And, uh, a lot of times the, the connections between rosacea and eczema have to do with your body's ability to eliminate through the gut, through the liver and through the kidneys. And if your body, for example, if you're eating something that your immune system is reacting to a lot of times that also causes issues on your skin and it might manifest as eczema. I. I've had a bit of eczema in the past. My, my son and daughter have had eczema and foods have a huge connection. A lot of people are, and that's often not even kind of considered. Now I've heard some dermatologists, you know, talk about, you know, the connection with food, um, but it's it's still something that is really squarely in the naturopathic space. And I think it's important to think about Um, Your gut. So things like probiotics and zinc that help the integrity of your gut, vitamin D, of course, but then eliminating the things that might you might be sensitive to. Uh, And the same thing applies to rosacea. You clean up those food sensitivities and generally speaking, those, those issues um, definitely improve a lot, if not resolve.
1: So no supplements you can take for rosacea. It'd be more like taking things out that are causing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is one of those exact perfect examples of like diet is superior to any sort of supplementation or, or medication. A lot of people are given corticosteroids or uh, topical anti uh, antibacterial agents like antibiotics, you know, those are short-term solutions to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, there's lots of patients that, you know, are frustrated with corticosteroids because as soon as they stop taking it, it comes back and it comes back worse. Uh, Because you're just suppressing it. I get it. If it's on your face, it's super annoying and aesthetically, you know, but that's where you really need to get to some of those root causes. And I'm not saying this is the, you know, the secret silver bullet for everything. Yeah, we, you just need to check those lists off and and see which is applicable to you. And that's, you know, working with an ND is helpful.
1: Okay. So I want to, uh, our time is up. I just uh, want to take this time and thank you for all the conversations that we've had in this group over the last few months. I know people are asking, where do I find myself a Dr. Paul? I know that you do work online, you are accessible, but you are also a very busy man. And so if someone can't obviously set up an appointment with you, what would they look for in a naturopathic doctor? Like what's, what like someone's like I live here and I live there like how do I how do I find myself a Dr. Paul
0: yeah I mean they well, I mean find
1: you, Paul Herkel and but outside of that how do they find themselves a yeah. Dr. Paul? yeah
0: yeah like it's hard to find I like to say I'm special <laughs> I like to you say
1: no are.
0: Uh, but uh, in all honesty, it's like you look at personal recommendations of people, then your family, friends, who's worked with someone that they're like, yeah, you know what, they're really good. People email me all the time uh, and I discourage it saying, you know, what ND should I see? I'm like, I don't know what ND I should see in uh, Red Deer, Alberta. Like, you know, like I, I will just recommend they you go and ser- every every uh, jurisdiction, every province has a naturopathic association and go and like search that association. You can punch in your, uh, postal code to show you some close, uh, close to you doctors, and then just do some research online, do some research on their website, call them a lot of NDs will offer free 15 minute consults. Um, you know, we have, uh, a, a, you know, a number of NDs that work at the clinic that I work at that are amazing. I would wholeheartedly recommend them. Right. Uh, uh, there's, you know, there's that option too. They've been trained by me. So I know that that's kind of like, uh, at least somewhat of, 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 a connection. And like I said, I just really encourage everyone. If you're really serious about leveling up your health, try to book an appointment. If not, then you're going to cancel or anything like that, you know, and you're not serious about that. It's just, it's not, it's not worth either of our time. It's going to require some money. It's going to require some effort, but it's like kind of like a short, it's like on the snakes and ladders. It's like one of those ladders. It's the goal is to get you leveling up faster without you kind of muddling through yourself
1: maybe it's not like finding it like it's this question is deeper than that because you're amazing you're caring you're obviously um really good at what you do i think it's one of those like if so if i walk in i how do i know my nd is not the right person for me maybe that's the question so i find one i meet with them and then they want me to do all these tests and i'm just like i don't know and like how do you know they're not the right one
0: yeah. Okay. That's a good question. And in the last minute here, I'll, I'll say this uh, I, there's a couple of good signs of a good doctor period An ND or an, ed, like what's their bedside manner. Like do, when you leave the visit with them, uh, do you feel empowered or are you like way more confused and wondering why you're spending a thousand dollars? You know, that's kind of like, the, if that's the case, that's probably not the best, um, best fit. And there are some, unfortunately, some clinics out there that are like, in order for you to see us, you're going to have to do all this testing right up front. I do use a lot of testing and sometimes it can be expensive, but what I make sure is that every single patient knows exactly how much it is and exactly why they're doing it. Like if you okay. want to know your microbiome, like the bacteria, the good and the bad, that's a $700 test. And I have patients that do it like that because they are understanding, you know what I've been to 25 specialists, I've done all these different things. And this is a key part that hasn't been looked at and then it makes sense. So you should walk away being like, okay, I know why I'm taking these things. If I'm taking 25 new things or 10 new things, that's a bad sign. I usually keep it to kind of like, what is the most efficacious one, two or three things that we can start off with. And sometimes we'll say, you know what, let's do some testing. Let's just let's be evidence-based to actually find out what you need, because there's no point of going to buy all these expensive supplements and, and they all will add up. And then we don't really know. Cause we're guessing I'd rather say, okay, spend the $300 on the test and then, we will not have to guess after. So it's about the way that you feel. And I would say the same thing, if you're trying to find a lawyer or a dentist or any other provider of a service is that, you know, do you feel empowered working with that realtor or with that, you know, um, with whoever you're going to working? So I think that's the best way to put it. And I don't know if that answered your question or not, Gina
1: it does it it really does and i think it seems like such a simple concept but i think a lot of times we think they're pro- the professional we don't know any better we need to just trust them when we're not trusting our god and how we're right. feeling and the big thing that you said is i think is is walking away feeling empowered and i know that is how our members feel after every conversation with you which is Thank the you. whole thing. Um, I'm already looking forward to next program because I know you're going to be back and that's when I'm going to have the opportunity to talk to you again, and I would love to have you on every day. We need you to do your own thing so we can, we can talk supplements. We've learned so much from you. Um, I know you are a busy man though, however, so thank you very much. Thank you Brad and Regina.
0: I wish everybody that's either my patient or the, all the thousands of people that are obviously out there doing the program, all the best finish strong. And I hope you have a great start to the spring.
1: Dr. Paul, everyone. Thank, thank you, so you, everyone. Much. Have thank you. Great day. Thank you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day,
0: surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day. All for just five dollars.